Max versus Lewis just hit a whole new level. Welcome to the A Racing Podcast. My name is Adam. Mitch is off this week, but plenty to talk about as F1 took its annual trip to the British Grand Prix, while NASCAR had quite a wild race in New Hampshire. But of course, we have to start off with the big talking point in racing this weekend. Finally, contact between Lewis and Max after weeks of battling on the track, taking one car out while another went to victory lane. To give you some context of kind of what took place, of course, there at Silverstone, about 145,000 people, roaring crowd, cheering on both drivers. They learned in Saturday's sprint race that really after the first lap, whoever was in the lead had a pretty high chance of winning the race. Max Verstappen got quite a jump on Lewis at the start, took the lead, pretty much carried it on for 17 laps and won the sprint race. So both drivers were kind of heading into this race with the mentality of you want to have the lead after lap one, especially Lewis Hamilton, of course, racing in front of his home fans, looking for his eighth win at home and to get back into the driver's battle. He was down 33 points to Max Verstappen for first in the driver's standings heading into the race. So they lined up on the grid. Five red lights illuminate, they go out, and we get underway. A close battle between Lewis and Max going through the first five or six corners. About three or four times they went side by side, including right in the first corner, coming into the, or off the main first straight, and then heading into Cops. And that's where everything changed. Lewis had a big run on Max heading to Cops, which is a high-speed right-hand corner. As Max... Moves over a little bit to defend against Lewis. He does leave a lane open on the inside, but a lane in a little bit. And Lewis takes advantage, dives to the inside. Not a lot of room left in that corner. Nobody backing out this time. And they make contact. Max Verstappen sent flying into a tire barrier at 51G impact. Fortunately, he is all right. He was taken to hospital as a precaution, was released. He's doing all right physically. He might be a little bit annoyed emotionally, but he is doing all right physically. Thank goodness, because the crash looked quite terrifying when they showed the head-on shot of the two guys coming around the corner. And all of a sudden, you see Max just fly by the camera and a huge bunch of dust. There was a couple of shots from the crowd where they just see this car fly towards them. And then this collision and dust kind of comes up and everybody kind of ducks because of course a car is flying at you at 180 miles an hour sure there's a tire barrier but you're still seeing a piece of metal fly at you very quickly so again fortunately everybody was okay lewis has a bit of damage revealed after the race uh, mercedes said that if it were not for the red flag that came out to repair the tire barrier they would have had to retire the car because there was damage to the rim of the tire Somehow not much damage to much else because, of course, he went left front to right rear for contact, destroying Max's right rear while damaging Lewis's left front. So damaged the rim, but didn't damage anything else. However, if they had that rim issue, they would have had to retire. So under the red flag, you can repair anything you need to. If the FIA approves, they let them do that repair. Lewis comes back from second, battles back to pass Charles Leclerc with two laps to go, overcoming a 10-second time penalty for that crash, which we'll touch on in a quick second, and wins his eighth race at home in front of a roaring crowd at Silverstone, kind of reminiscent of the days gone 
before uh, this whole pandemic hit. So quite a dramatic race this Sunday. But of course, we have to talk about the contact. Was it avoidable? Yes. Was it a racing incident? Are we going to go as far as Helmut Marco, who of course is kind of in charge of the whole Honda uh, Red Bull kind of group, and Lewis deserves a race suspension? I maybe not that far, but it is definitely a contentious issue. Well, first of all, let's kind of go through the history leading up to this crash. So we've had a couple close calls already between these two. It's mainly been Max for Stappen that's kind of been the aggressor coming into the turns. We had Imola where. Max and Lewis heading into turn one on wet condition race. Max pretty much pinched Lewis onto the sausage curbs that were kind of in the inside and forced Lewis to back out. Lewis backed out, got a little bit of damage. Max went on to win the race. Look at Spain. That one was really kind of the kicking point to aggressive to the point of the other guys got to back out or they're going to crash because in that one, Lewis had the lane, but Max dove hard in the inside, forced Lewis to pretty much back out or they'd both be out. And Max would go on to take the lead for quite a while. Lewis would overcome him later on in the race with a tire strategy. But once again, you could tell that there was a little bit of give by Lewis to keep them kind of going on here and keep them kind of both in contention in the race. But in this scenario, it seems like Lewis said, you know what, I've had enough. I'm not going to back out this time. It's up to you to back out for me. Of course, Lewis was saying, you know, listen, he was he, he felt he was very far alongside Max. And he said, quote, when someone's too aggressive, these things are bound to happen. Sounds like he's pretty much saying that, you know, sometimes the driver that's leading the championship has got to back off a little bit and preserve his car for later in the race. Obviously, Max, he did collect three in the sprint race, but he collected zero points in the Grand Prix race, while Lewis didn't get fastest lap, but he got 25 for winning. Meantime, Max uh, surprisingly went on social media after the race, kind of an unexpected comment a couple of, well, about an hour or so after the race, and said basically that the penalty, a 10-second penalty that Matt, uh, Lewis served while he was pitting, quote, doesn't do justice to the dangerous move Lewis made on track, end quote, adding Hamilton's post-race celebration was disrespectful behavior. Now, that's fair. I understand if, if Lewis knew that the guy was in a hospital, yeah, maybe a little bit, he would probably maybe hold back a little bit on the celebrations. But uh, Max was saying to, I think it was Sky Sports, or Lewis was saying to Sky Sports after the race, he had no idea the guy was in a hospital until the, the interview. And he was like, oh, I, I didn't know he was in hospital. I'm pretty sure that's true and fair. And also, you know, I mean, it's uh, first race at home with fans. Last year, we had two races at Silverstone and there were no fans. And so there will be celebration. It's your home race. You never know. This could be his last win in a crazy scenario. It could be. I understand Max's frustration. He was sitting in the hospital watching Lewis come back and win while he feels that Lewis pretty much took him out and sent him to hospital. Absolutely fair point. I don't know if it was disrespectful with his post-race celebrations, especially if he didn't know that Max was in hospital. In the meantime, you had Christian Horner, Red Bull's team boss. He was very vocal, uh, both in the race to the FIA and 
the guy kind of in charge of everything, Michael Massey. And then after the race, said the move was ill-judged, a huge risk, and then added that the victory that Lewis got was, quote, hollow. Quite a comment there. Total Wolf, meantime, Mercedes team boss pointed out in the regulations, uh, one of them uh, would clear Hamilton, kind of talked about them being side-by-side and both drivers being allowed to drive uh, and where their axles were located. And then added that an accident involves two drivers and you need to give each other room. That was his quote, aka you need two to tangle or tango. So I guess you also need two to tangle. Uh, So kind of interesting comments from all those people. Of course, there was some uh, very unfortunate comments made on social media because unfortunately, when um, Lewis has a situation like this, sometimes racism comes in and it's pretty reprehensible. Uh, I would say that's quite disturbing. And uh, yeah, there's no reason to attack him because of his color. I mean, he's a great driver. You can be upset with his driving style. Absolutely. That's a fair point. You could be upset with anyone's driving style. But when you bring color into it, that completely ends that conversation. And it's uh, pretty disappointing. So uh, it was kind of interesting from my perspective, kind of watching the race, because of course, lap one, at 8 a.m. here in Saskatchewan, I might have woken up a neighbor or two with my exclamation after that crash. Initially, when they were doing their discussion on the uh, broadcast, everyone is kind of putting their perspective in during the red flag. It was like, do we give him a penalty? A lot of guys saying racing incident. And when they gave him 10 seconds, initially, I was like, okay, I, I, I think that's a good penalty. You know, he got involved in a pretty serious crash. And I think the thing for a lot of people was like watching that race, we all are kind of focused on the race and kind of the emotions of that race, all right? Like, oh my God, he just took out his uh, Max Verstappen's terrifying crash. And oh, well, hey, Leclerc's leading. Wouldn't that be crazy if he won? Upon further reflection, kind of, we're I'm recording this on Monday, so uh, on Monday morning, it, I kind of looked back at it and said, you know what? It is a racing incident. And here's why I believe so. So you had both drivers side by side about, I think Max had just a little bit of a lead heading into cops. They're allowed to fight. And I think the scariest thing we could have, other than obviously a scary crash, but I mean, like in terms of race battling, the worst thing we could have would be for drivers to be cautious because of penalties. Stewards in Formula One are a lot different than other motorsports. In NASCAR, they usually have either one person or a group of people who kind of make that ultimate decision, and it's a consistent group. I feel like it's the same thing with IndyCar. They have, like, a director of competition. But with Formula One, it kind of varies. They have, I mean, it varies in terms of the fact that the stewards make the decision. And and we had this issue last week where they were giving out penalties like it was popcorn in Austria. And they always have different stewards every week. Will they have the same number of stewards or same stewards? Yes, but I mean, what, what I mean is that they bring in different groups of stewards for every weekend race. This one might call it differently than another group. So you have that concern about consistency. And my concern is that if they keep giving penalties, you're going to have drivers go into these corners sometimes going, okay, do I really want to get a 10-second penalty for going too aggressively? I hope I we don't get to that point because... Then you start to lose the essence of the racing itself. Honestly, we want to see this every weekend. Maybe not something this scary. 
We, we want to see side-by-side -side with Lewis and Max. It's been an amazing season so far in this driver's fight. I mean, when was the last time we saw two different teams battling for a championship when it comes to drivers? It's been a long time. You could debate maybe 18 with uh, Lewis and Vettel, but they weren't really fighting. I mean, that one was pretty much Ferrari the first half, or the first third, and Mercedes roared back to win the championship. 16, that was teammates battling for the championship. We even had two teams really fight for the championship in a long time. And I don't want to see it go to penalties. So that's not the only reason I think that they shouldn't call a penalty. Both drivers have a little bit of blame to go. Obviously, Hamilton diving hard in the inside and trying to go for a move like that is pretty risky. But at the same time, you know, Max has been aggressive every single time. And he has to be. But when you have a 33-point lead in the standings, I feel like there needs to be some kind of recognition at, at one point where it's like, okay, I can't lose that. If I were going to give something away, maybe i give away seven points this weekend, and then I make it up next weekend in Hungary. Now he's in a scenario where he's, his point lead has dropped down to just eight. And with the terrible weekend it's been for Red Bull and great week it's been for Mercedes, that points lead has dropped down to just five. Like, this has become a real serious race or battle again. And or unfortunately for Max, this could be kind of a turning point. It could be, hey, should he have backed out? Maybe not. And I don't want to put blame on a guy who was kind of in the losing end of this all. But I, I think it is a racing incident. I, I think a race suspension is way too far of a go. Like, a race suspension would be if Lewis literally turned into Max and then swore at him on the broadcast or something like that. I understand why they gave him 10 seconds, but I feel that, you know, maybe they should have just gone with a racing incident. But again, that's my perspective. We have plenty of perspectives online right now. And you know what? Honestly, any perspective is a good perspective. Just unless it's something where they're attacking someone's character, or especially the color of their skin, that is not right. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my viewpoint of how it, how it all kind of played out and uh, why I think uh, it could have been a racing incident. Also, maybe it's the NASCAR guy in me who loves Havada boys. I mean, obviously not wrecking each other every race, but, you know, letting the drivers settle the championship fight and not giving penalties. But yeah, that was kind of the obviously big point in the race, but there was a lot of other action throughout. Obviously, you can talk about the great drive by Charles Leclerc. He had one heck of a race, and he, he was very disappointed after the race. But honestly, he should be extremely proud of the way he raced. He basically took advantage of that crash, because he was sitting third behind Max and Lewis when they came together. As Lewis was re-entering the track, I mean, Charles just kind of drove by him before the yellow flags really came out, and he wasn't told to give his position back. He took the lead. Safety car, red flag, he had the lead heading into the restart. And honestly, I think a lot of us were watching that going, okay, here comes Lewis, he's going to take the lead back, probably try to get a gap, then get his 10-second penalty and drive away with the win. That did not happen. Charles got a great restart, stayed in front of Lewis, and pretty much maintained a two-second lead for a large portion of the race. And he had one heck of a drive. He led from lap, I mean, if you look at it, he led from lap two all the way to lap 
well, two laps to go. It was an, um, quite a strong performance. I mean, you had Lewis and Mercedes were given Charles a lot of credit for the drive he did with a car that definitely is not as strong as that Mercedes car. And he was battling other issues too. He had some kind of cutting with uh, his engine kept cutting throughout the race and he managed it pretty well. But Lewis, obviously, he had the motivation of the home crowd. He had, I mean, he has a Mercedes and he's a really good driver. And he came back from, I think it was about an eight or nine second deficit with about 11 laps to go, two laps to go, makes the move to get the lead and front of a screaming crowd and ends up going on to win. But Charles, a huge performance by him and ton of credit. Just to point out, he finished third last race, not this race, but the race previous at Silverstone. Got second this one. Next year, could he go one position higher? Who knows? Meantime, uh, good finish again for Mercedes. You had Valtteri Bottas um, pretty much moved over from Lewis as he moved over through team orders, ended up finishing third. He only got third place though, and I, I wonder what this scenario would have been like because basically he finished third, Lando Norris finished fourth, but Lando honestly had position on him throughout the race. I believe Lando was ahead of Valtteri. Uh, Valtteri had two terrible starts. He fell back behind Charles in the first one and then fell behind uh, Lando in the second restart. Uh, after the red flag and Lando had a good drive he was doing a great job holding that position and then his team had a slow pit stop it happens just it was the worst possible time for it to happen he came in first with an aggressive pit strategy because he was still ahead of Bottas and it didn't look like Bottas was gaining a lot of ground maybe just trying to preserve tires so Norris comes in first aggressive wanting to get the undercut or prevent any kind of undercut opportunity by Mercedes. But he has a slow pit stop, takes about an extra four or five seconds in the pits, then comes out and it pretty much gave Mercedes free reign to make their stop, stay ahead. Why I think it might have made a big impact on the race itself is that if you look at it, Lewis was, he only had one guy to pass before he had to chase down Charles Leclerc, and that was his teammate Valtteri. Valtteri's trying to hold on to his job. When the team tells you to pull over, and you're trying to hold on to your contract, you're going to pull over. What if Lando gets a good pit stop? He comes out ahead of Valtteri. I don't know if Lando's going to pull over that easily. He's trying to win, or have a good podium finish in front of his fans. And there were a lot of Lando fans out there. If he stays ahead of Valtteri, heading into the final 15 laps, obviously Valtteri will move over for Lewis. But I don't think Lando's going to do so. And he'll probably fight Lewis. Would it have stopped him from getting to Charles? Probably not. But let's say this scenario. Lando's got a fast car on the straights. It's going to be tough for Lewis to get by him in two laps. And that could be just enough for Charles to hold on for the victory. But of course, that didn't happen. Slow pit stop. Really good result for Mercedes 1-3. and three. Uh, A pretty rough weekend overall for Red Bull. They only got three points in the weekend between their two drivers. Because you had Verstappen won the sprint race, crashed out in lap one. Perez, meantime, spins out of the sprint qualifying while he's sitting at about fourth. 
and starts dead last in the race. He had a pretty rough race. He didn't really make up any ground throughout. He made, I think, three or four pit stops throughout the race, and his last stop was to put on softs to prevent Mercedes from taking fastest lap. And that was pretty much his role for the weekend. So, got zero points the entire weekend, and it was a really tough weekend for the Red Bull side for Mercedes. This is the week, exactly the weekend they needed to get back into the championship battle. And we got ourselves a fight going into Hungary, which I'm so excited for. We're almost at the halfway point of the season. Summer break is just around the corner. And we got ourselves one heck of a title fight for both the drivers and the constructors. And you know what? Hungry and on. We might not just have ourselves a fight, a battle. This might become a rivalry. And I think, honestly, we're all better off for it because, you know what? I love seeing two teams just go at it. Mono a mono. They both got great drivers, one and two. Great cars, equally performing in terms of one team's on just a little more one weekend. The other team's on just a little more the next weekend. Great strategists. This could be one heck of a fight, and I think we could go all the way to Abu Dhabi, and I really hope we get to the last race of the season in December, and we're still wondering who's going to win. Honestly, it just gets my heart pumping, gets the blood going. I'm excited. I am so excited, and you cannot see the smile on my face. I am so excited. Anyways, looking at other performances, as we mentioned with Lando, finished fourth in the end. Another fourth place finish, a solid start to the season for him. I'd say he's... Uh, if you're not going to talk about Lewis or Max, he's definitely driver of the year so far. Uh, meantime, you had teammate D- Danny Ricardo had a great race. He followed up in fifth place after a race-long battle with uh, Ferrari Carlos Sainz. Sainz, of course, finishing sixth. Got to talk about uh, Canadian Lance Stroll as well. Had a great run through the field. He finished eighth. And a nice drive by one of the rookies, Yugi Sonoda. He ended up uh, getting past his teammate, uh, Pierre Gasly, and ended up finishing 10th in the end. So, another point for the young Japanese driver. Awesome to see. Uh, a couple of unfortunate performances, I guess, uh, in the race, per se. Just want to point that out. Obviously, Sergio, and then, uh, I don't know, it was kind of an underwhelming ending for George Russell. He had a amazing qualifying session on the Friday. Uh, it was amazing to watch him kind of have his the track to himself. In Q3 for a Williams car that should not be in Q3 to begin with. And then he qualifies ahead of Sebastian Vettel and a Ferrari with Carlos Sainz. He qualified ahead of him in 8th at Silverstone. The place was going wild because, of course, he had the whole track to himself. And it was so cool to see that. But then the struggles began. He had a okay sprint qualifying, but then he made contact with Carlos Sainz in the sprint qualifying race was dropped down three spots before the actual Grand Prix, continued to fall down the field, had a bad start, fell down to 14th, and just never recovered. Kind of a disappointing end of the, uh, of the to the weekend, but again, more promising signs than that guy, George Russell. He is making it very difficult for Mercedes right now to figure out who they're going to put beside Lewis Hamilton for 2022. And you know what? Again, I love that drama. Uh, and then touching on the sprint race as well, um, kind of interesting to see how that all played out. Uh, obviously, as we mentioned last weekend's uh, podcast, basically on the Friday, 
You had qualifying Saturday, the sprint race, which is about a third the distance of the Grand Prix. So at Silverstone, 17 laps. Only took about 25 minutes. It was a very quick race. And it seemed like it was about the right time. Maybe a couple laps too long. But honestly, if it, if they uh, shortened it a little too much, you wouldn't have had the tire strategy. You had a couple of great calls to change to a soft tire rather than the medium that pretty much the entire field picked. Fernando Alonso had one heck of a start. He basically picked up five spots in the start of the race, going from 11 to about sixth, uh, finished in seventh. And yeah, we had some urgency among the drivers to kind of get the positions in the first couple laps. Then it kind of eased out. I had a feeling it was going to be like that with a place like Silverstone where uh, it's tough to kind of follow behind other cars in some of the sections just because it's a high-speed corner and that dirty air can play havoc on other cars. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how the other two sprint races take place. Next one will be at Monza later this year. And then, of course, the uh, third one is an undetermined one right now. It sounds like if they do go to Brazil later this year, that's where they'll do it. They want to avoid doing it at Saudi Arabia or Abu Dhabi because they just don't want to have... The championship decided by a test or a trial kind of format so yeah it was a interesting way to see how the sprint weekend played out it was fun to have a meaningful session take place on the friday i mean having lunch on a friday afternoon here in here in canada it was like okay this is fun so yeah it was uh some good racing and uh one heck of a weekend in formula one Taking a look at the standings, of course, as we mentioned, the fight at the top is narrowed significantly. Max Verstappen still leads 185 points, but Lewis Hamilton is just 8 points back. He is at 177. In third, jumping up to third, Lando Norris again. He is at 113 points. He is, again, having an amazing year. And fourth right now, Valtteri Bottas with just five back at 108, and uh, a close battle as well with Sergio Perez, 104 points, he's in fifth, third through fifth, separated by just nine points, that's great to see, Charles Leclerc is also putting his name kind of closer to that mix as well with 80 points, so just 24 behind Perez, he's now in sixth with that big second place finish, Carlos Sainz jumping up to 68 points, Uh, Danny Ricciardo with 50 Pierre Gasly with 39, Sebastian Vettel at 30, Fernando Alonso up to 26 points, Lance Stroll up to 18, Esteban Ocon had a good weekend as well. He picks up 14 points, uh, Yuki Tsunoda has 10, adding one extra point, and then uh, Antonio Giovinazzi and Kimi Raikkonen each have one point. Of course, you've got both of the Williams drivers and both of the Haas drivers with zero points. As for the team standings, Red Bull, uh, they got 289 points, as mentioned, just three points this weekend. Meantime, Mercedes picking up a whole bunch of points. They actually jump up to 285 points. They're just four back heading into the uh, 11th race of the season coming up. Meantime, you got McLaren pretty far back from them, 163, while Ferrari staying close with them. Uh, Battle for third could come down again to the last race as well. 148 points. They're just 15 behind. Alpha Tauri, meantime, 49 points. Aston Martin, just one back of them at 48. Alpine staying close with them as well with 40. So again, that battle for uh, 
fifth place in the driver or constructors could come down to the end as well. Again, we all love to see it. And then Alfa Romeo with two, and Williams and Haas with zero points. So yeah, that's kind of your look at F1 this weekend. We'll have uh, more details on kind of what's coming up next uh, in a little bit, but we're going to take a transition now over to North American Racing and NASCAR, where they also had one heck of a weekend. A lot longer than the F1 race, but uh, not disappointing in the results and the drama. In a rain-delayed, darkness-shortened race at New Hampshire, we saw a major upset in the playoff picture. Eric Almarola, he was 27th in the point standings and in the midst of what was a terrible, horrible season of luck and just bad performance, changed that all with a huge drive to the front in the third and final stage, winning his first race of the season and by doing so, clinching a playoff spot, jumping 13 other drivers ahead of him to do so and completely changing the playoff picture. Uh, it was quite a fascinating situation because uh, New Hampshire doesn't have lights on the track, so they really could only race until they got dark. Because, of course, these cars don't have headlights. So uh, basically, NASCAR said, okay, listen, guys, we'll drive this thing as far as we can, but as soon as it gets too dark, we're going to have to call it with 10 laps to go. So basically, these drivers were going around thinking at any point, if it got dark enough, okay, we're calling it 10 laps from right now. So... About eight laps to, uh, 18 laps or so to go. That's when NASCAR said, okay, it's getting dark. We need to get this thing over with. Eight laps to, or 10 laps to go. And Christopher Bell was having a great comeback drive. He was in the, he's already in the playoffs at this point, uh, but he was closing in on Albarola pretty quickly. And as the laps were coming down, it was like nine, eight, seven, six. Eric Almarola caught up with Austin Dillon. What was fascinating with that is that Dylan, trying to avoid being lapped out or lapped, and maybe hoping for a very late caution that could maybe give him one or two laps to gain more spots. I, I guess maybe his crew calculated it, but they they pretty much knew that if Eric won, that kind of bumps down everybody who's still in the playoffs in points, and that would bump Austin Dylan below the cutoff line, which meaning which means that he would go from 16th in the standings to 17th. And as of that time, if Eric won, he would be out of the playoffs. So he was doing some very aggressive driving, hoping to hold up Almirola to allow Christopher Bell to pass him. So Bell would win. Almirola would stay below the cutoff line, well below the cutoff line. And Dylan would be still in the playoffs. Did his best, could not hold up Eric enough. Bell got relatively close, but then Almirola got by and goes on to win and completely shake up the playoff standings and make the playoff predicting and calculating very complicated. Uh, but what was interesting was the race started in controversy as well. It was a bit misty to start the race. You could see on some of the cameras around the track that there was definitely a bit of moisture on them. And yeah, on the first four or five laps, things seemed to be going well, but all of a sudden the rain started coming down. And basically, NASCAR has these spotters around the track to kind of try to figure out how much moisture is on the track. And it, and then, obviously, too much. When you're driving with a slick tire that doesn't have any tread on it, you're not going to do anything on the wet tarmac. So basically, what happened was they called it one lap too late. You had wet track in turn one, 
and you see the two leaders, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., two very strong cars, pretty much just slid their way into the wall. Very livid. Kyle Busch, after the race, keeping himself calm while talking to the uh, uh, reporter with NBC, basically going like, I'm not going to talk on that because I don't want to get in trouble. And it's like, that's a fair point. A lot of the drivers were saying it was raining, but NASCAR kind of waited an extra lap and then kind of got caught because you lost a couple good cars. Uh, a third one, Danny Hamlin spun. Three of Joe Gibbs' cars were pretty much involved in that situation and they did not look great. And maybe that was the big point that Eric needed. Maybe... Kyle Busch was going to dominate the race and win. But instead, cards kind of fell Eric's way and he makes himself into the playoffs. So as mentioned, it really shakes up the standings because um, Almirola was nowhere near the picture. Obviously, he was discussed as a driver who could do something. He has won at the Super Speedways a couple times and Daytona is coming up. But, I mean, he was never going to points his way in. He was a few hundred points behind. He had some terrible races to start the year. And then just had one heck of a race and won. So he becomes the 13th different guy to win, which leaves three spots open right now for non-winning drivers. Right now, Denny Hamlin's the most likely to make his way in with a massive lead in the points. He actually leads the regular season point standings, and that could be crucial for him. I'll explain that in a second. If three different drivers get a win and Denny doesn't stay in front of everyone in the points... Hamlin would be out looking in. Meantime, you got Kevin Harvick. He has a decent point lead, but again, all he needs is two drivers to win from outside of the playoffs. And Kevin Harvick, who was one of the favorites for last year's playoffs and one of the most dominant drivers of 2020, could be out of the 2021 playoffs, which is crazy to think. And then uh, Tyler Reddick, who kind of is on the bubble already, He's only five points up on his teammate. That's Austin Dillon. Really, Dillon's the only one who can make it in on points. But again, if somebody wins from outside the top 16, really points have completely come out of it. And it comes down to whoever's going to win the race because Reddick will be bumped down. Harvick's got a pretty big lead on Reddick and the rest of the field. So to come down really to wins. So uh, what's, what's interesting as well is there's plenty of chances for for those wins to happen. we got four races left before the playoffs. Uh, that includes two road courses and Daytona. Daytona, obviously a wild card we saw earlier this year. Michael McDowell made it into the playoffs with the win. But yeah, intrigue coming up into the situation uh, and the final four races. And to throw in another curveball or two, one thing the NASCAR has ruled is that say there's 16 drivers that win races, but Denny Hamlin holds on to win the driver standings uh, or the point standings heading into the end of the regular season and but doesn't get a win nascar's rule mandates that the guy who wins the regular season uh, standings if they don't have a win they get one of the spots so that means one of the guys who's won a race could be out could be michael mcdowell could be like christopher bell depending on who wins the other four races so that could throw a curveball into everything also the other curveball is, what if four drivers win? What if we have four more drivers from outside the playoffs win? Say like a Bubba Wallace. Say like a Matt Benedetto, Say like an Austin Dillon. And then another guy from outside wins. Like a Daniel Suarez. Those guys win. 
Someone with a win is out of the playoffs. That would be absolutely wild. That's not going to happen. But if it does, I mean, what's going to... Like, that would be crazy. And I don't remember an NASCAR season like this where really anybody who's in the playoffs uh, and who, even people with big points leads are in danger. And yeah, so th- there you go. That's your NASCAR look right now. Um, also kind of interesting to touch on as well. Penske had a good drive this weekend. Hendrick Motorsports, not so much. They struggled throughout the race. I mean, Kyle Larson obviously is the one everyone was looking at. He had an up and down kind of race. I think he finished in the top 10, but never really challenged for the win. And yeah, that's your look at NASCAR this week. And yeah, we're going to take a look now. A quick touch on the SRX race. Uh, We mentioned in last weekend's podcast, it's essentially a bunch of veteran drivers from IndyCar and NASCAR. Veteran, many of them were retired. Like you got Tony Stewart, you got Paul Tracy, you got Bill Elliott and Bobby Labonte in there. Uh, This weekend, they introduced a current driver who is doing pretty well as well. Uh, Chase Elliott joined his dad over at the uh, Nashville Fairgrounds track. And it was one, it was a really fun race. Uh, you had Chase and Bill kind of line up, one, two. Tony ended up uh, getting one of the front row spots, but he's like, no, I got to let uh, Chase and Bill race. And yeah, it was fun to watch. Chase ended up uh, racing his dad early on. His dad would get the best of him at the end of the first heat, but then uh, in the feature race, Chase would end up uh, chasing down Bobby Labonte and would uh, end up winning the finale in front of 14,000 fans. Great racing, honestly. All The races that I've seen, uh, of the six races, I think I've seen about four of them. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Great commentary. You had Alan Beswick and uh, I think it was James Hinchcliffe again this weekend. Really great race to enjoy. And Tony Stewart picked up the uh, championship for the first year, hopefully of many, for the SRX and we hopefully will see them again in 2022. And that's kind of a look at all the racing this weekend. A quick look at CanCon, though. F1, as we mentioned earlier. Lance Stroll, great comeback from a poor qualifying. He would, uh, where he put himself just 15th on the grid for the sprint race. Ended up making up just one spot in the sprint, but then had a great Grand Prix race. Finished in 8th. Uh, you know, Nicholas Latifi actually had a decent race for the uh, Canadian. He ended up finishing 14th. So, you know what? Kudos to you there, Nicholas. You had a pretty good race. Obviously not quite enough to contend for points, but hey, that's not too bad. And uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series, uh, not not so great race with this Canadian. Alex LeBay, he had a decent start, but uh, had some kind of issue. They haven't really said exactly what it was, but uh, pit for a long time for repairs. He finished 26 laps down in 36th. Uh, For them, they've still got seven races to go before the playoffs, so... Who knows, maybe he can uh, win on a road course or Daytona, and that would help him into the playoffs. And that's kind of look for all that stuff next up in the world of racing. It's actually going to be an off week for everybody. F1, drivers are going to get a week off from this wild weekend, but then they have one more race before the summer break where we could see a Max and Lewis battle, and I really think we could see fireworks into turn one with the way that they raced against each other last or this most recent race in britain as mentioned in hungary august 1st the hungaro ring Uh, also kind of interesting to note with that race we will see new pit rules come into effect that's the ones basically where they require teams to have a minimum amount of time for each action while they're pitting to ensure that no one's kind of 
dangerously putting cars on the track. And yeah, so that's kind of F1's race. Meantime, NASCAR and IndyCar are off for two weeks. Uh, IndyCar's been off for a couple weeks already. Uh, Very rare scenario for those series, but it's because NBC's broadcasting the uh, Olympics. So obviously they don't want any competition, especially because with the Olympics being in Japan, the competitions usually are evenings, and you don't want them running in with the racing, especially a situation like we had in New Hampshire. Rain comes in. NASCAR gets delayed. All of a sudden, you got that competing sports. So, yeah, everybody's off for a couple of weeks there. NASCAR will return for uh, with a couple of road courses uh, starting August 8th in Watkins Glen. Uh, meantime, same day, IndyCar. They'll be on the streets of Nashville. Uh, as for us, we will be back next week with another podcast teeing up the Hungaro Ring and the Hungry Grand Prix. And we'll also do a little discussion about the new F1 racing video game f1 2021 Uh, mitch and i've had a chance to play it we've played through the story mode i've done a little bit of my team which is kind of their special you make your own team and race in the field and we'll kind of have our thoughts on the new handling model and kind of how it all plays out so and that pretty much wraps things up if you'd like to uh, send us a note let us know how we're doing plenty of ways to do so we're on twitter at the a racing pod we're also on Facebook, and you can head to our email and send us a note that way. That is the A Racing Podcast. That is the EH Racing Podcast at gmail.com. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you have a great weekend. Catch up on other things other than racing this weekend because we're going to get right back in action next weekend. Have a great time. <laughs>